0: And we're back. Well, Let's talk about God. Hey, everybody. How's everybody today? Hey, y'all. Sounds southern. Sounds southern, don't I? That's my southern. Hi, hey, y'all. <laughs> That's what we say <laughs> down south. Yeah. We don't say hi. We say, hey, hey, how are you? Gee, yep. Y'all too. You don't talk like that. No, I don't talk like that. I'm being, I'm being funny. But some people do. So some people do. People. Oh, there are people who do. He <laughs> say, what did he just say? Did you eat yet? Do you want to? Let's see. eat well, you, yet?
1: You want to? We're just very economical with our time. Why say the whole word when you can just say half of it and it says the same thing? That's right. It's, it's like that episode of The Office where Kevin decided to use fewer words. He said, why use many word when few word
0: do trick? <laughs> that would drive me nuts, I mean it I mean we Southern people talk slower th- generally, not always, but a lot of people talk slower, so uh it's bad enough that we're slowing it down, and then we're shortening <laughs> it shortening it up, maybe that's why we shorten our words because we talk, talk so, so slow, slow. <laughs> otherwise your conversation for a five minute conversation would be thirty minutes. <laughs> That's funny. so you are a you are an incredibly happy man. Your life has changed, changed extraordinarily since our last. Sure has uh, gathering here in our uh, our uh, war room here in our undisclosed location, <laughs> our broadcasting studio in our undisclosed location. This undisclosed location. So tell everybody, our podcast audience, what happened to you since we met last. I'm a dad. You're a dad. Yay. Ooh, dad life. All right. Tell, tell them who it is. Uh, August the Star. August James. Yep. August James the Star. Another boy. Another boy. The fourth grandson. Your first son and my fourth grandson. Crazy. And he is a spitting image of you. He is. He's little Evan. He is little Evan. There is no <laughs> doubt. And so we don't know what to call him. We call him Augie Gus... AJ, that child, he does not have a chance, and he'll just have to live with it.
1: I just don't love AJ. It doesn't can, matter. You call
0: him whatever else. It doesn't matter whether you love it or not. <laughs> Nicknames are what other people call them. You have, you're the dad. You're done. Okay, he's here. You're done. Your job is over, and now the rest of us oh, just boy. get to do whatever we want with that child. Yeah. So, I mean, every other, every other uh, grandson I have has a nickname, so... Have to give him one yeah but he's doing good mama's doing good you're not getting a lot of sleep right now no all right that's part We're of vibing that's it. fine that's okay it's
1: like most of my days i'm awful in the morning and then i get coffee and then i'm a normal person and then i hit like 3 p.m and i'm ready for that nap Yeah, and then i just have to power through
0: yep yep and then i hit like a second wind when i get home yep until he gets you up half the night again, then I know. start all over. You start again. all over. But he's been a good baby. He really has. He's he's been a good baby. Your brother was horrible. He he had colic, and for the first six weeks, uh, it it was just terrible. Mm. It was just terrible.
1: I think I'd like grab my uh, headphones that I use when I go hunting or shooting or whatever. Just put them over my ears. Block out all the screaming,
0: so you can just look at his face with anguish. That way, I know he's screaming. I'm like, okay, I can help him, but But I don't have to deal with the. You don't have to hear it. Yeah, (laughs) you want to hear a good hunting story? Go for it. So this guy goes hunting. They say this is true, but you know they say, and I heard the two biggest liars. (laughs) Yeah. So it's told that this is a true story. the guy went hunting. He had a climbing stand, and uh, he found a tree. And fog rolled in, but he's he's up in his tree in this climbing stand. He hears a shot nearby. And then here's this crash in this massive, beautiful eight point buck drops at the bottom of his tree and dies. Somebody shot it. Well, he's sitting there thinking, man, it's so thick. If they don't, somebody didn't get this buck, I'm going to claim it. Well, the guy who shot it, the hunter, tracked it through the woods in spite of the fog and found it. He kneels down by the deer and he is just ooing and awing over this deer. He's talking to the deer. Oh my goodness, this is the biggest deer. I've ever, And he's petting the deer. He's rubbing yeah. the hair. <laughs> petting, I can't believe I've just imagined he's petting the hair on the neck. I just, the fur, I cannot believe Oh, you're the biggest bugger. You're my biggest I just cannot believe this. You are beautiful. What a gorgeous deer. And he's just talking. He's the only guy, he thinks he's the only guy in the woods. And and so he's he's getting ready to field dress the deer and he's down on one knee and he just sort of pauses and he cocks his head up and just and remember it's real foggy. Yeah. But and so he he thinks he's the only person and he just looks up and he says, Thank you, Lord. Thank and the guy up in the tree stand couldn't he couldn't resist and he, in the deepest voice that he could make, he said, You're welcome, my son. He <laughs> said the guy almost had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That would scare uh, the living daylights. Like yes, time. it would. The guy says, You're welcome, my son.
1: <laughs> That's um, awesome.
0: But I'm sure that made that guy in that tree very happy. Oh, uh, I'm sure. There <laughs> we go.
1: I'm 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 in too much of a fog right
0: now to come up uh, with a pun. <laughs> I did it. I love it. I did it. Yay. There we go. I did the pun today. I was so, hoping
1: you could find something about money.
0: Uh, well, I can always do something about money. <laughs> why? You know what I'm saying? A pun. Yeah. Yeah, but we're talking about happiness. That is true. We're talking about why can't money and stuff... Stuff. Stuff. Possessions. Make me happy. I like it. Are you sure they can't? They can't. Okay.
1: So, uh, when I, I, like, originally, I like, preached this live... And I started off by talking about how um, when they came out with the first Apple Watch, like, I wanted one so bad. And I don't rem- I don't remember if I got it for a birthday or Christmas or if I bought it. I don't know. But I got the Apple Watch.
0: And I remember this. Ever
1: since this I— This was when you lived at home, right? Yeah, yeah. And ever since I got the watch, like, I, kn- I knew it just didn't feel right. And, like, basically, the band that they gave you was this magnetic band. And it would, like— not break, but come undone all the time. Right. And then the watch would just be hanging from your wrist, which is terrifying. And I couldn't ever figure out why. And then one day, you and I walked into Walmart, and I'm like swinging my arms, and it comes undone, and my Apple Watch falls screen down on the floor, and when I pick it up, it's cracked and destroyed. Which I realize now, I'm just the idiot who put the band on wrong. (laughs) Oh, is that (laughs) what it was? So then, I'm like... Now Apple Watch list. So then next Christmas, I'm like, man, I really gotta get an Apple Watch. And I remember I was in college at a Starbucks working on a paper and I went on AT&T's website because they were sold out everywhere else, but ATT had them and I bought an Apple Watch. And I was so happy. And then a couple years ago, it just like stopped working right. And like it was slow. And the apps didn't work half the time, and it kept telling me that I needed an update, but that I couldn't update because I wasn't connected to Wi-Fi, even though I was. So then it really like didn't make me happy at all. And my point is that like stuff, it's cool, but stuff breaks down, and it can be fun for a while, and then it can be extremely frustrating. Because <laughs> that Apple Watch made me happy, and then I was real sad having to do the walk of shame around Walmart with you just staring at my broken screen. Broken screen. <laughs> Or yeah. now I spent all that money on an Apple Watch that now lives in a drawer at my house because it's.
0: I think you're right. I think up. I think money or possessions. You're right. I think they can make you happy because I think there's a difference between happiness and joy. But you're right. I think it's temporary. It It's it maybe you have been the like emotional and, earthly sense, right? The, and and even f- for a short time. I mean, it might make you happy for a while, mm-hmm. but if it breaks. Boy, the happiness is gone. Or if it's like you, what you went through, it malfunctions. Then all of a sudden, you're not happy. You're angry, mm. or you're frustrated. And the very thing that brought you happiness is now created a whole another emotion that's negative instead of positive. So, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. I mean, money. I think I told this on the one of the past, last podcast, but I just love that story of John D. Rockefeller. I'm just going to tell it again because mm. I'm sure you know not everybody remembers, but. You know, they said to him, Mr. Rockefeller, he's the richest man in America, if you study history at one time. And he they said, Mr. Rockefeller, when will you have enough money? And he said, When I have just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, what he had was not enough to make him happy. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, I would say it's kind of like a drug. Yeah, you, it is. You, you got to have more, you know, and, and the drug, whatever made you feel good, it's got, and I, and I know people that, um, um, thinking one person in particular, they love to buy, certain things and they buy a lot of these and when they get one they wear it for a little while and then they're just like a watch and and then when after a while that watch they Mm -hmm. see another watch so they'll they'll put that watch in a drawer and i mean they'll have like 20 watches yeah and and people can do that with shoes where they buy a pair of shoes and they wear it well then they see another cool pair of shoes and then they go buy that and you might have two thousand dollars worth three thousand dollars worth of shoes Yeah. In your closet, and you've worn them three times?
1: I think we can all agree that there's a special level of dopamine when that Amazon package arrives at at your house. Yeah. And then you open it up. Like Christmas. (laughs) I love it. Like, one day I came home, and Elizabeth had opened my Amazon package, and I was like, Elizabeth, look— you can't ever do that again. No. I love opening this package. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's one of the small joys in life. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> but right. it was like, we just tape, love getting tape stuff. It yeah. Tape it back let up. Tape it back up. Let me rip it up up. And let me open it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But you're, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. But, you know, a lot of us were convinced that money can make us happy. And if, uh, if maybe you're coming in late or uh, you just don't remember, remember, we are, um, we are, having a conversation, but it's based off of Thomas's Aquinas Thomas's Aquinas, well, Thomas Aquinas's Summa Theologica Summary of Theology in which he talks about happiness. And what I love about Thomas is that he's so thorough is he always engages other people's arguments. So before he talks about what he believes he legitimately interacts with what other people have to say. So he kind of gives him a chance. He says, look, if happiness is in man's last end, or it's the finish line for humanity, it's the reason we exist, right? It must consist in that which has the greatest hold on man's affections. That seems to make sense. Whatever man wants the most, that must be what's going to make him happy. Ecclesiastes 10.19 says, all things obey money. So, happiness must consist in wealth. I think that's a sneaky little argument right there. Um, You know, I think that's, uh, you know, I could see somebody buying into that. Yeah. That money has the greatest hold on man's affections. I would say that that's probably correct. And we're going to talk about later how uh, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I think it has a great hold on our affections. So, happiness must consist in wealth. Then he offers this, Boethius says, happiness is a state of life made perfect by the aggregate of all good things. State of life made perfect by the aggregate of all good things. Money is the means of possessing stuff. Therefore, money makes me happy. So if the philosopher Boethius says it's the aggregate of all good things and money is the way that I get things, therefore money must make me happy kind of sounds good. Nah, <laughs> don't buy it. So we have to ask ourselves, what does the Bible actually say about money? And this is one of those uncomfortable truths. We're only going to list four passages, but the Bible's a lot to say about money. Jesus
0: don't- talked more about finances and money than he did heaven and hell. Yes. He, uh, 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 there is a great deal of scripture. Because I think God knew that that's a major part of our life.
1: I think the first statement was right. I think money has the greatest hold on men's affections, and I think that's why he came to talk about it. I think that's an idol we all have to smash before we can love God. At
0: at least in first-world countries. I mean, third-world countries, I don't know if they don't have any money. There might be other holes. You can make
1: money in idolatry. You can love what you don't have. I'm just talking about...
0: I don't know if it has as much a hold in yeah, a place I mean, where yeah. there's poverty, but even then they want money. Yeah. So
1: So Matthew six twenty four, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or literally riches.
0: So mammon, if you've ever heard that word, just means wealth or riches. Money. Mm-hmm. Money, yeah. Money.
1: So what do you have to say about what Jesus has to say there? Break that down for us. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love one, and you're going to
0: hate the other. First of all, I think mammon is a hilarious word. Just say it, it really is over and over again. Mammon, mammon, mammon. mammon, mammon. mammon. Sounds mammon. like you're stuttering. Mammon. It's just a funny word. Um, it's it's like a, a giraffe or an aardvark. Hmm. Um, I, I think that, obviously, Jesus is the Son of God, and he knows um, that, like somebody said in another way, either you're going to control your money or your money will control you. Mm-hmm. So h- how about that? And I think that's what he's saying is that is that somebody is going to be in charge of your life. Okay. Well, if if you're going to choose somebody, it needs to be God, because if your money is in controlling you, then you have this inanimate object uh, b- b- built on and coupled with this uh, greedy desire that is going to just take you in the wrong direction and, mm-hmm. and help cause you to do immoral things and be vain and shallow, and we could just go down a whole line there. Uh, but if God is the one that's in control of your life, then money just becomes a tool. Money mm-hmm. just becomes a means to an end uh, that that can be any number of ends. Well, if God is in control, it should be a good godly end, Yeah, like giving to people and helping people or just buying things that you need um And every once in a while, getting what you want, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, I
1: you, think something that point that uh, kind of stuck out to me is he, jesus didn 't use a general word like you can 't serve two things or love two things. he says you can 't serve two masters, and the point that I think we shouldn 't miss is that God is a master, but money is a master, and masters have servants or slaves, and the truth is that I can either be. A slave to God, or I can be a
0: slave to money. But I'm going to do the will and bidding of one of them. That's what I said. They're in control. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're, we're saying the same thing two different ways. Yeah. One of them is going to control you. And people who are controlled by money are usually greedy. Mm-hmm. They're usually not very generous. They're uh, and again controlled. Yes. So the money is telling them how they're they. They usually want possessions. They usually want. uh They want to be in a certain echelon of society and a a status, and um, they want to be perceived a certain way. Mm -hmm. It just opens this whole world that is very carnal, and it can be even very sinful.
1: And the point is that you can't pursue money over everything and still be a Christian. You will have to sacrifice what it means to serve God. You have to sacrifice morality, to serve money more than anything,
0: and Jesus said, "How hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven?" Yeah, you know he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. And it's because uh, if if look if it's controlling you, it's your God. I, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's what's implied in this. Yeah, is that you've made your your money your God? It's the one you. It's what you worship. It's what you serve. It's it's what you give all your time and attention to. In fact, let's
1: let's go to that story, Matthew nineteen twenty one, the famous story of the rich young ruler, because I think that has to do with what you're saying. Jesus shows shows up to, or Jesus is hanging out doing ministry, and this rich young ruler comes up and asks him what he needs to do to have eternal life. And Jesus lists off all these commandments that he knows that the guy is like pretty well kept, and then he tells him he has to sell all his possessions. And the point isn't that all Christians everywhere after sell all his possessions, but he didn't read off the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and that's the one that he was breaking. <laughs> exactly. That's the very one. He <laughs> said, I've kept all the others. And he said, yeah, well, there's one you have it. Yeah. Right. And—, and and he said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. He didn't tell him to get rid of his money. I've, I've thought about this story sometimes because he says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. He didn't tell him to give all his money away. He just said, sell what you have. So he said, take your possessions. So I, I think that guy's weak spot was possessions. Mm-hmm. He was wealthy, but he said, give to the poor and most likely, the guy had an income, and he had investments. He would have got more money.
1: Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, you're right. Jesus wasn't saying go and go and quit your job and like and, become a hermit and sell everything
0: you have and become poor. Yeah, I, I just don't see that for a guy that's rich. I think I think he was saying let go of these things that you're worshiping and take up your cross from whatever serve you, and and you'll have treasure in heaven. He, he and I think there was a perspective there. Which is why I think it's we're talking about. You can't serve God and money equally. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody has to be in charge. God has to be the one that then dictates what you do with your money. Mm -hmm. But um, I I just think there was a um, a commitment, a loyalty there, and that was so much to money, but that it wasn't to God. And then I think there was a divine. What was missing? What was absent? Was a divine perspective. Yeah. It just he was he was because money gets you focused on the world and the things of this world and the possessions of this world and the people I can connect with and who can I buy? Just so yeah. go ahead and be honest. Who everybody can I, has a price. Yeah, everybody has a price, and 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 <clears throat> takes you down this carnal road. And and Jesus is like, you, you're laying up all these treasures in heaven. This stuff, but what have you got or on earth? But what do you got in heaven? You know, you, mm-hmm. what are you doing that's going to last for eternity? Because Jesus said that the places moths will, are going to eat all your clothes and rust is going to destroy everything that's metal. It, it's all going to burn up in a fire one day.
1: That's what's so ironic is Jesus told him to sell what you have and the guy lost it anyways. <laughs> He's dead. Yeah, he doesn't have it
0: anyways. Right? It's but, crazy. But what treasure did he have in heaven? Exactly
1: mark four nineteen um, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, they choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. so this is a quote from the uh, the parable of uh, the you know sowing the seed, and uh, one of the inhibitors of receiving the Word of God of receiving the gospel is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desiring for other things. So what does that tell us? That tells us the gospel has something to say. Jesus's message has something to say about our money, (laughs) that he is going to be master over our our pocketbook, over our wallet, over our bank account. Um, And we're going to have to surrender that. And it tells us something about the power of money, that it is so strong and it captivates our hearts so strongly that when the gospel comes, we'd rather choose the temporary wealth than the eternal treasure in heaven,
0: right? And I, and again, this is our third episode. So, yeah, what, you know, we need to reiterate this. That we're we're not a couple of preachers here sitting here sitting here saying money's bad. No, no, no don't no. have money. If you have money, ba- you're bad. Money's
1: just subservient
0: to God, right? I, we I think we said this in the episodes. Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Nicodemus. Uh, or Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus borrowed his tomb. There, there. You can be wealthy and and be a born again believer and saved. I mean, that's that's not uh, uh, Joseph was wealthy yeah. when he became second in command in Egypt. David was wealthy, man after God's own heart. Do, do I need to keep going? It, is is the point? Is there's nothing wrong with having money? I mean, we're all at different places, it, 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 so that's not the point. You. Not at all, and if you can make money go for it mm-hmm. you know, if you have a business and you're or or you do side jobs or you make great investments good for you go for it I mean I do that you do that I know we we both invest a little bit and um that's that's not the point he says these things choke the word when those things start killing your spiritual activity and your spiritual productivity and your spiritual life mm-hmm then it's become an issue. Yeah, that's what he's saying. And that, what's true for money can be true for anything else. I mean, you got a boyfriend or girlfriend that can do that. Uh, your kids can do that if you just put your kids first in everything. And your sac- your kids have become your idols. Yeah,
1: and I think this is where uh, our our last Bible verse I think is helpful. And uh, I wish i had have gone back and put the whole thing. First Timothy six ten says, "For the love of money." So not money. Because a love, lot of people
0: misquote that. They misquote they say, well, money is the root of all evil. No. It's not what the Bible says. For the love
1: of money right. is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their
0: greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul just made our point for us. Yeah. In the first century, in the early church, Paul said there are some people that were saved, but because they got greedy and they just spent their whole life going after money and making... All right, because the Bible's really relevant. You just got to get it. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You know what I think that means? I think they were investing their money. They were putting it in businesses, and they lost it. They lost their shirt. Mm. Yeah. They invested in the stock market. I don't know if that is a stock got market burned. in Rome, and they got burned. Yeah. Okay, and they just pierced it. That's what he says. If you just keep all the time, it's about money, and you'd start a business venture. And everybody, their people have done that. But because that's all you live for, you just, there's no, you talking about happiness? Paul said there's no happiness. You're just full of sorrow.
1: Paul says, just a few verses before that, I think verse 8, he says, Godliness with contentment is great Great gain. gain. For you brought nothing into this world, and you can take nothing out. (laughs) But for those who love riches, uh, he says it's a temptation, a trap, and uh, foolish and harmful desires.
0: I've seen people who, and this isn't always the case, so I'm just, this is anecdotal, but I know people that have money. But they don't drive. Every year they go trade in and buy the most expensive. They drive a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. It might be a five-year-old pickup truck. They don't have a corner office. Yeah, their, their house. I knew a guy that was. I think he's dead now. But um, uh, his he 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 lived in Greer when I was a guy's a multimillionaire. He had a company that made these steel cables that you use for cranes or, um like like the the trusses and and you know like for ski lifts and yeah, all that, yeah, like big, yeah. that that's a that's a special field where you you wind that wire and make that big strong cable and he had like a monopoly in the southeast he's a multimillionaire yeah he lived in the most modest home in Greer South Carolina if you pulled up to it in the neighborhood's the most mod, about as modest as you could ever you'd say you can't tell me a million multimillionaire lives there yeah and uh he was a little eccentric about a few things otherwise he just Worked, lived his life and lived his, and he came to church. Loved the Lord, raised his hands, loved to serve, loved to worship God. And um, my point is, when you serve the Lord, you can have all that. But see, you're not, you're not. It's not controlling you, and you're not making stupid decisions and and just getting all obsessed with things and what people think and all. It's like I don't. It's Paul, just, Paul says in the midst of that, he
1: says, if you have food and clothing, this is enough. Yeah, and if like we can just speak to Americans right now. Every one of y'all listening have far more than just food and clothing. You have infinitely more than just food and clothing. Everybody we're talking to probably has a home or an apartment, a vehicle, a Netflix account, a Starbucks gold card with $30. You know what I'm saying? We could keep going on. Like Paul's like, hey, for a Christian, it's enough to be content with eternal riches in heaven and enough we have here on earth we have so much more
0: and you and i have traveled and i'm going down this road i don't care i'm going down this road you and i have traveled together we've been to Honduras we've been to Guatemala you've been to Panama we are wealthy yes we are i mean and and i mean this with no disrespect you if you live in a trailer park you are wealthy yeah compared to, to a shack to a shack that has holes in it and slits in it, and the rain comes in.
1: And your three-year-old shows run around naked, right? Like around and they have dirt clothes. floors because
0: we've been in their houses. Yeah. So when we say they have dirt floors, they have dirt floors, and they have very archaic stoves. And they take corn, and they buy big bags of rice and corn, and that's what they live off of. And fruit, and you can go to McDonald's and grab something, Chick fil A. We're rich, mm. and but it's it's all perspective. Yeah. But, you know, I think the word to me that just keeps popping up as we're going down this road is contentment. Where you yep. said, Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And I think that's the answer to what we're talking about. Why can't money and stuff make me happy? It can't because it can't make you content. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it feeds you, it feeds discontent.
1: It builds an appetite for more. Right.
0: Which is discontent. Yep. I'm not content anymore. It can, it makes me content for a little bit, but then it doesn't, it's not, it's like if you eat lunch and then, Five hours later, you have burned up all the energy in the food. It's like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hungry again. You know, well, I, well, you ate five hours ago. I know, but it's it's not enough. I yeah. I need some more food. I'm getting weak. I'm getting hungry, and I think that's what it does. It makes you hungry. It it fuels discontent. God fuels contentment. Mm-hmm. Godliness fuels contentment because once you have God, then you say, "I've got everything I need in Him."
1: Yeah,
0: and I think that's why He said you can have the basics. And it'd be the happiest person, the most content person in the world. And they said, "Well, you don't have, any, you know, you don't have what this guy over here. Is. It just doesn't matter. I got what I need. Can take it with me anyway. And, and I got God. Yep. I got the source. If I need something, God will take care of me. His eyes on the sparrow. His watches over. So I think it's a, it's a mindset. He mm-hmm. said, "Well, does that kill your drive to do things? No, not at all. But you still say." My contentment doesn't come on whether or not my business succeeds or whether I climb the corporate ladder or how many degrees I get. That's it won't make you content. That what what makes me content and happy and fulfilled is my relationship with the Lord. That's right. I mean that's real. Like we're not making that up. It's it is the most unbelievable sense that you know, somebody wrote a song that said, I got Jesus and that's enough. Yeah. And it's really true. That's good.
1: Um, so then Thomas kind of begins to break down. He always lists the scriptures and then he always kind of gives us a, uh, just like a reasonable argument where he, he really kind of breaks everything down. So first, why can't money and stuff make us happy? I think the clear answer that we've, that, that is the underlying answer is God, but here's his kind of rational argument here. One It feels really good to give money away rather than to hoard it. So Boethius says, well, wait, wait, stop. Who is Boethius? He is a, not Bocephus, Boethius. Fifth century, I think, um, like Christian philosopher. Okay. Um, So he says, wealth shines in giving rather than in hoarding. For the miser, the person who loves money, is hateful, whereas the generous man is applauded. Therefore, man's happiness does not consist in wealth. So he gives the opportunity that people who give money away, I think, A, feel good in and of themselves. It provides a joy. And then B, communally, so as a, like, relationally, you are applauded, not when you hoard money, but when you give money. So therefore, giving away your money, not hoarding it, is a means to happiness.
0: So isn't it Paul that quotes Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to, to receive? receive, that's right. So we're not just making this up. It, it's This is scriptural. The Lord said it. Yeah. It's a whole lot more blessed or makes you happy. Mm-hmm. That's what the word means. We talked about in one episode. It's more... Blessed. There's more happiness in giving than receiving. You're reflecting you know, christ Who who gave? Who gave? <laughs> it's God who's a giver. You know. You know obviously, this is December, right? Mm-hmm. These, this is our December podcast. Uh, you know, who I'm thinking about right now is Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. F- with Christmas, right? Bah the whole, Yeah, the whole he, point of the story. He was a miser, and uh, in that very creative way, uh, through that story, the Christmas story, you know, he learned that you can't take it with you, and mm-hmm. he shows him his grave where you're dead and and you've done nothing good, and look at all this money. And then, of course, it changes his life, and he's out yeah. giving away and doing things. And so that's probably a probably a great connection here to, yeah. of a Christmas story that helps us to see there's a story that kind of sh- everything we're talking about, a podcast, plays it out for you. Yeah,
1: that's really popular as well. Um, he also breaks down uh, the, the twofold types of wealth, the, the two kinds of wealth, natural and artificial. And he basically says that wealth— is it's not an end in itself, but it's always a means to an end. So here's what I mean. So think about natural wealth. These are things that you buy with money. So think food, clothes, technology, cars, homes, whatever. They're not an end in in themselves, but they always serve some kind of function. So we often think that these can make us happy, but here's the problem. Everything that you buy can't make you happy because it's not the last stop. So take food. Food isn't for itself. Food is a means to an end. It serves the purpose of nourishing you. It can also be for tasting good. It can be comforting during a time of stress. But the food itself, literally just sitting on your table, it can't make you happy. It's a means to an end. If I just possess food and I never do anything with it, what good is it for me? That's good. So what you're really, really saying is that maybe a full stomach will make me happy. Or maybe comfort provided by that food will make me happy or make me pleasure, you know, maybe pleasure from tasting really good food. Maybe that's what's going to make me happy. But the possession of food in and of itself isn't good enough. So whenever we think that stuff can make us happy, we're really saying something else can make us happy, whether it's comfort, security, pleasure, or whatever. Gotcha. doesn't work. Things can't make you happy because they aren't man's last end or they're not what man was purposed for. They're not what we were designed for. Rather, it is ordained to man as to its end. Here's what I mean. It has an end. It's not your end. Psalm 8.8 says, Thou hast subjected all things under his feet, talking about humanity. You, as a human, were not created for stuff. Stuff was created to serve you. All things have been subjected under your feet. You were created, if we can go back to that first episode of Genesis 1, you were created to rule on God's behalf, to be a representative for God's kingdom. And he has granted you to take dominion of the earth, to subject everything under your feet. That's why we see Adam naming the animals and stewarding the garden and working the earth and building cities. Like He was to take dominion of it and use the world and its resources for His purpose, and ultimately for God's purpose. We weren't created to be a slave to stuff. Stuff was created for us to work out our and God's purpose.
0: Yeah, and and Adam and Eve, you you go back to that story, and we always go back to Genesis, is they had paradise. Yep. Everything to make them, air quotes, happy was there, but that's not what made them happy. God came down in the cool of the evening, and they had fellowship and relationship with God. That was the high point.
1: It was discontentment at everything that they had that eventually led to their sin. That the devil went and lied to them that, you know, they they could that God was holding out on them, that they could be their own gods, that this wasn't enough. And yeah. it was the root of their sin.
0: Yeah. They they bought into a lie when they already had everything that could make them happy and that was God. Yeah. When when I uh when I taught
1: this in front of our students. I, uh, I used the example of a video that I found where there is, there is some guy, okay, you know, the, uh, like TLC shows where they're like all these like strange folks that they put on display. There is a dude out there who's in love with his car. He's got a name for it. He talks to it. He cleans the car. He like kisses the hood He's a strange man. That's weird. (laughs) It is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire life. The man genuinely believes he has a relationship with his car. Okay. It is odd and I wish I could just play it for you but my whole point is that that's about how we look when we live our lives serving stuff. We look about as strange as a man kissing the hood of his car and talking to it like it's a real person. When we become a slave to stuff, we're treating things as if they're something higher than they really are. Yep. Um think about now artificial wealth. So artificial wealth, this is money, like riches. Like this is like Money in your bank account, paper money, the actual thing. Money can't make you happy like that because it's literally just a man made means to buy natural wealth. So if you just sit there with a pile of money, it can't do anything for you. So you're not going to be happy if you got a pile of money or money in the bank and you don't do anything with it. It's just paper, it's just something, it's just numbers on a screen. Money in and of itself can't satisfy. So then once again, it's just a means to an end. So I think money can make me happy because it can buy food, but I think food can make me happy because it can give me pleasure, so on and so forth.
0: So somebody's going to argue it because uh, there are people, they love accumulating money. I mean, they're tight, and they get money, and they won't spend it. Mm -hmm. So they get $10,000 in the bank, and then they just keep socking money away, and they will sacrifice To get 20,000 and eventually 200,000 and 400,000. They got money in a bank. They'll never spend it year after year. And they just, they get, they love accumulating wealth. So, how do you respond to those people?
1: I think you have to ask, why do you like accumulating wealth so much? My guess is it would probably be a sense of comfort or security that I am storing up in case. I'm storing up in case. I'm storing up in case. But the truth is that money can't prevent all of your problems you can still get uh hit by a car and paralyzed you can still get cancer and die your wife can still leave you and take half of it and you can be miserable and depressed like th- there are a number of things that i can store up you know 400 million in my bank account um and something else can come take me out and rob my happiness so to store up money in a bank account is just to make me feel secure or comforted but my security and comfort can be removed by all, all other kinds of things Somebody can take all of that. You know, there, there are like a number of things. And then at the end of the day, it can't prevent your own death. You're going to die and you're going to lose every last bit of it. So it, it doesn't
0: do for you what you think it's going to do. I I, I think you're right. Um, within Inherit within the concept of money is the concept of stewardship. Mm. If you're going to look at it, Even if you look at it outside of God, you have to steward your money. But if you look at it within the context of God, money is to be stewarded, as well as the things of this life. Mm -hmm. But let's just talk about money. So stewarded means I'm required to do something with it. And the Lord, in two different places, said that the sheer accumulation of wealth can be perceived as, as evil, not because got a whole parable about it. Right. It's not because you're accumulating wealth, it's because you're failing in your stewardship. Mm-hmm. Money's not given to you to accumulate masses of it and then die one day, somebody else is going to get it and do something with it, but it is to something is to be done with it. Yeah. Money serves a purpose within God's economy. Mhm. Don't you love how you use like God's that. economy there with that?
1: Yeah, that was good. That was really good, actually. That was, that was actually that was good. Thank you. It was
0: real smooth. <laughs> All right, break
1: that down real quick. What, what are the two meanings of economy in like 10 seconds?
0: Well, economy for us is just the the the, the, the use of money and whatever. God's economy is more like his plan. And the way his, he enacts salvation. When he right. acts salvation as well as beyond that. Yeah, And yeah, then, yeah. then what's the—and and the repercussions of that. So, <laughs> or, or the—anyway, um you're right there's like a whole parable where you remember the guy that said i have i have gained so much and accumulated so much my barns are full i'm gonna to have to build bigger barns yeah and i'm going to eat drink and and kick back and party and god said well okay but tonight you're gonna to die and this night your your soul will be required of you yeah and then what are you going to do yeah and so the point is that all that accumulation was is wasted you know of course the guy's heart wasn't right um, but then you you talk about the guy that um the talents mm-hmm. so he gave one guy talents and another guy so he gave one ten one five one one or whatever mm-hmm. um, or, or, or it was five two and one and he and he said uh do something with it with the money the talent was a money not not your talent like your gift yeah. but your so a talent was like a a dollar so the guy that took the five talents did something with and invested it and made more money with it. The guy, with two, the one guy, he stuck it in, the, in a buried it in the ground. So he did nothing with it. So the point is, a lot of the times we're seeing with the Lord when He's using stories of money is doing something with it. And you said, well, you said, well, that guy, did the guys that made five? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't just hoard it, but they put it to work. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what God says is, take money and put it to work. Mm-hmm. You know, not just for your needs, but put it to work for the kingdom of God. And that that kind of pulls us back around that it's more blessed to give than receive. Sometimes you put your money but work just like letting it go. Yeah. You just got to give it to somebody else and say, here, you need this uh, because you're meeting a need or you're helping someone. I uh, think
1: people forget that God does not usually, he does not typically work immediately. He usually works immediately. And what I mean is God prefers to work through humans. God could have established his kingdom here on earth, if you will. He didn't need us to be image bearers, to represent him, to do he just likes using humans. He likes using people. And sometimes this is easier for us to say, you know, you know, like you, Chris, you got such a great gift of preaching. God's gonna use you, because that seems super spiritual or whatever. Or, you know, you've got a you've got a great gift of of you know hospitality, God's going to use you to welcome people in the church. Like we can get all that, but we don't think that God has given us a great gift of being really good at money, so that we can then be used by God to further the kingdom. But the truth is that um, we don't need to zone out when it comes to our money and just be like, oh well, God's sovereign; He can do you know whatever He wants. God wants to work. Through people. And so the reason people get saved is because people go preach. And, you know, the reason that people get discipled is because people go teach. And the reason that, you know, what, you know, uh, homeless people get help is because people go to them. And then at the same time, the reason that many things in the kingdom are funded and can happen is because God has blessed people with money and then he works through them to then fund, you know, kingdom work. And so the truth is that in every area of our life, not when it just comes to our literal talents or our literal giftings or our station in life, but even when it comes to our money, God wants to work through his people, not apart from his people.
0: Yeah, and I think you're, you're, we're just kind of summing it up is money is not a means to, to itself, an end in itself. You got to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And if you do something with it solely for yourself and you buy stuff and you spend stuff and you go have pleasurable events and services and activities, it's okay. But if that's all you do, it's really a waste. Mm -hmm. It's really self-serving and it's not going to give you happiness. But when you take that money and you also use it for the glory of God, you give God back 10%, you, you give offerings, you help needy people, you invest in ministries and the king, then that's That's when you find the true happiness. That's when you say, wow, now my money is making a difference in somebody's life spiritually or in the church or whatever, or just meeting a need. Somebody who can't afford because they're poor or they've gone through a hard time, I can help make a difference. That's good. And that's where the happiness comes from. So Mm -hmm. I think it's what you do with the money. It, you know, that's what makes the difference.
1: Finally, uh, Thomas goes on to give us a few reasons um, uh, or a few examples of how money can't buy everything. And I think these are really, really good. So here's why you shouldn't worship money while money can't make you happy. Money can't buy you spiritual things. This should be the most obvious. So Proverbs 17, six, what doth it avail a fool to have riches seeing he cannot buy wisdom. So you can't have spiritual wisdom Uh, From money. So you you can't buy God's blessings. You can't buy God's salvations. You can't buy eternal life. And and that should be pretty obvious. But you can have all the money in the world, and you can still die. And uh, sadly, you could still spend eternity in hell. You know, I'm having a Beatles moment right here.
0: Can't buy me love. love. Money can't buy me love.
1: You know there's a song, right? No, I
0: have no idea. There's a Beatles song. I got you. Can't buy me love. I'm only 25. I know, so I mean, all right. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> All the people my age, you know, yeah, he did a Beatles reverence without really like the Beatles, so. If we
1: are, um, if we're going to kind of use that same verse, what does it avail a fool to have riches seeing he cannot buy wisdom? Money can't just buy, um, money can't buy spiritual wisdom, but it can't buy earthly wisdom either. So I literally wrote my notes. You can be rich and stupid.
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah,
1: seen that. (laughs) So you can—I mean, you can have all the money in the world, and you can uh, use it terribly, ruin your relationships, be an idiot, make horrible decisions, have people not like you. X Y Z. I mean, you can just be a dunce, be an ignoramus, as the little uh, Cracker Barrel Triangle Games tell me that I am.
0: You can be rich and be evil. Yeah, and and use it for for bad purposes. Exactly.
1: Um, Money can't buy meaningful relationships. Rich dudes have tried. Hugh Hefner tried. Gold gold diggers are real, and they don't love you. That is what I put in my notes, but it's real. You can have all the money in the world, and you can't buy people who legitimately and actually care about you. You can buy people to hang around you. You can buy people to maybe fake like they care about you, but you can't. Uh, force their heart to actually care about you or force them to truly love you.
0: Can't buy me love. Here we go. <laughs> love. Money can't buy me love. Money,
1: uh, money can't buy you mental health. Um, it can help you see all the experts. It can help you take medicine. Uh, but ultimately, it can't just fix you. And so there's a reason that rich people sadly kill themselves. There's a reason they go into depression. Um, money and bling and stuff eventually wear off. And so we sadly hear about a lot of celebrity deaths, people with fame and glory, and people with lots and lots of money, um, but who are ultimately depressed, uh, dependent on medication, struggling in their lives. They have everything you could ever gain in this world and it's still not enough for them mentally there's still something missing it, it just can't fix all your problems
0: i'd rather have jesus boy i mean i'll i'll take all the money i can get but psh, oh yeah I, i'd much rather have jesus oh i mean cuz like you said this stuff's not going to it's not, not going to last. last it's it isn't if you get that's that's what you get an eternal perspective mhm I mean that I mean that's why I love Ecclesiastes and I think I referred to it in the other podcast is again I just I, I love it's kind of become a philosophy of life. But eat, eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. He said you're gonna work hard, and when you work hard, you're gonna make money. So he said, Eat, drink, enjoy the fruit of your labor. You ca- you can buy things, you can do things, you can do things with that mm-hmm. money, buy things. That's what's with Ecclesiastes. But he said, Boy, you better remember that the number one thing is fear God and keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. You better put God first. Yep, and then all that other stuff. Will, you know, you'll have a right perspective on how, how to handle it. That's good. Anything else? Well, tell the story that Richard McConnell told us.
1: Oh yeah. So um, Richard McConnell, M- Richard McConnell told us a story, um, and he's a really good storyteller, and uh, it R- really R- always stuck with me.
0: Well, Richard, Richard's a guy, a local guy here in Anderson. Richard has a um, uh, kind of a. It's a business where he's got a skeet shooting, and he, he, he's t- taking he people hunts. hunts, and he's gone overseas, mm-hmm. and he's just been a lot of places, been on safaris. and
1: He's been to Africa, and, and that's kind of where this, this story comes in. He's been to Africa on a hunt, but the way he and started— he goes to
0: church here. That's yeah. another thing. And
1: yeah. the way he started the story out was just so engaging because he basically looked at us, and he's like, do you want to hear a story about the richest man I've ever met? And so, like, you're pretty excited because well, you're like, yeah. man, like, what what am I about to hear about? How extravagant extravagant is this gonna be? He said, Let me tell you about the richest man in the world. He said, It was a little African guy who lived with his wife, two kids in a hut. And every day they would wake up and overlook the most beautiful mountains that I've ever seen in my entire life. They witnessed the world literally come alive every single day exactly where they live in uh, the beautiful nature of Africa. They don't really have a whole lot of money. They don't have a whole lot of stuff, but they've got each other and they've got a beautiful world. And I think that gives uh, a certain perspective on how money and things cannot make you happy. That um, there's a man, you know, content and satisfied with a uh, We could say God's good creation and the people he's put around him uh, rather than all of the things and materials that he's collected. That's good. uh, We know that God ultimately is the one who can satisfy us. But I think that's a beautiful picture of being um, content with what you have. And uh, we can direct our hearts to trust God with the rest.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: Well, thank y'all so much for joining us. Um, we hope that you enjoyed it. We hope that we gave you a, a good and interesting perspective on money and happiness. And uh, we'll see you back very, very soon.